0: Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's episode 130 of the Audible Farm Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Couchtown Coffee. I just got done ordering some more Couchtown Coffee because I finally ran out again. So I've got some Couchtown Coffee on the way, and all will be good. You can get yourself some Couchtown Coffee, too. And the best part about it is you can get it for 20% off. Oh, how do I do that? Well, I'll tell you how you do that. All you got to do is go to CouchtownCoffee.com find a coffee you like, make an order, and when you do make an order, just let them know Audible Farm sent you, and they'll give you 20% off. It's that easy. Uh, why Why do they do this? It's because Couchtown Coffee supports live music, just like we do here at Audible Farm, and uh, it's my favorite coffee. I mean, I, I don't just say that because they help me out on the podcast. I, I honestly, it's my favorite coffee. It's the only coffee I drink nowadays, and if I run out and I have to drink another coffee while I'm waiting for my shipment, oh boy, it's it's less than awesome. So get yourself some Couchtown Coffee and find out what all the hype is about. CouchtownCoffee.com. Thanks, Couchtown. This episode, I am sitting down with Michael Duty. Michael is an instrumental musician. He plays some experimental styles of music and this this episode was really good. I was worried at first because it's not my go-to style of music. It's not music I, ne- you know, naturally think of to make and it's not too common, I guess would be a good way to say it. I was a little nervous going into this, didn't know how much time we'd be able to cover, but the cool thing is we found lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, we found parallels between his styles of music and my style of music and other styles of music. I found out that he has made music for independent movies, uh, which is also really cool. Uh, and then I also, at the end of the podcast, I, I found out that he was he was the keyboardist that we were talking about last week. On the podcast. So uh Zachary Daniels band, we were talking about that last week. Uh he's got a keyboardist that travels, and and it's Michael. And that's cool. I mean, it helped lend itself to me asking a lot of really interesting questions in the beginning of this, and then we kind of folded it all full circle back to what we were talking about last week. And it's a beautiful thing. This episode ended up being really good, and it was a great conversation. So I hope you guys like it. It's episode 130 with Michael Duty. It's the Audible Farm Podcast. With your host Peter Stockdale. Okay, uh, today I'm sitting down with Michael Duty, and Michael, you make, um, I guess, what I would call it would be like experimental instrumental music. Um, I think that was kind of how you conveyed it to me when we first talked a little bit uh, through email. But I was, I was intrigued by it, just by the simple fact that for the most part, I interview a lot of people who are guitar players, drummers, bassists, singers, songwriters. And I feel like that is a different area of music than what you are usually, you know, would consider yourself in. Mm-hmm. And so that brings me to, you know, just kind of, I got to ask you, first and foremost, how did you get into making electronic style ish this experimental music that you make
1: oh yeah so first of all thank you so much for having me on the show I I really really appreciate it absolutely Um, means a lot and I I think oh let's see here well so I took piano lessons when I was a kid and I was like I'm not about this at all I don't (laughs) like this uh (laughs) something just I didn't like to practice very much something something didn't work out and um it took me a long time in my life till about ninth grade when we had a piano in like the main area of the school I went to. Um, and I was like, Oh, maybe people think it's cool if I like tried to play songs on that piano. So I started kind of teaching myself again, but I didn't really like want to make music or anything. It was just like, Oh, this is kind of a fun thing to do on like lunch. Okay. Um, and then, uh, kind of a weird, timely thing, actually. I got into Daft Punk. Nice. And um yeah, Discovery. And I was like, whoa, this changes things. Like these guys are using keyboards for stuff because I grew up with all my dad's classic rock and everything. And I love that. And I still do to this day. But like I was just never a guitarist. I, I knew from day one I wasn't cut out for that. So <laughs> I I couldn't, like, relate in that same way, I guess. So when I found Daft Punk and, like, some other electronic groups, mostly those guys, I was like, these are dudes making awesome music with keyboards, with drum machines, synthesizers. You don't have to just be a guitarist to be a musician. And that kind of, like, that, like, got my interest started for real. And then uh, I picked up, like, I don't know, I had GarageBand on my family computer, and I just started making weird little songs. And I had no idea how to mix them. So they're all like clipping as hard as they possibly can. But I was like, Oh, this is really cool, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, RIP Daft Punk for anybody that that is listening to this. Um, I mean, even it was like, not even a week ago, they announced they were done. And uh, mm, yeah, it's a it's a sad deal. I always feel uh, I'm gonna say first and foremost, Daft Punk is head and shoulders above the rest of the electronic music scene, as far as, like, not just what they're doing, but palatability across the board. You can have people that are only into hard rock, and they're like, this is pretty good, you know, whereas if you played them some other electronic music, it's, like, kind of just noise to them, you know? Yeah, for sure.
1: It, like, definitely crosses the line into being, like, digestible for pretty much everybody. Yeah. But, like, it never like sacrifices anything i don't know it's a it's a great combo that's a
0: beautiful way of saying it and and you're 100% right too cuz they would use like drum machines and and keyboards and a lot of electronic like midi type stuff but at the same time they were not strangers to just being like well, if we had a small guitar loop in here, it would actually sound pretty cool. So they would record like a tiny guitar section and then just loop it and it's like, well they're technically they're playing the instruments too, to an extent. So I mean even yeah. if even if they are just taking like a two measure clip and repeating it, like uh I guess the good example would be like robot rock. Bump, oh yeah. Bump, 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 <laughs> boop boop. And like that, like just repeated over and over again, uh, was made with a guitar and some synth and it actually makes the basis for a really good song without, like you said, it's still electronic and doesn't sacrifice any of that, but it's, it ends up blending into the other genres that other people would enjoy. Um, totally does. I, I got into Daft Punk at a young age when one of my friends showed them to me, and he was really into electronic music. So I, I've dabbled and dipped my toes into electronic music here and there, but it was mostly like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, there's the obvious ones to people like you and me, like Moby. You know, and and basement mm-hmm. jacks, and things like that. Moby would be one that a lot of people might understand. Like uh, him and Eminem had a big rip, you know, with one another, and they oh, were yeah. they were crap talking each other. But, but you know, that's that. It really piqued my interest in that, and that's one of those things where I, I, I'm still really intrigued by that style of music, and I don't know how to make it really though. So that's one of the things I think intrigued me most about your music is you're out there making it, and it makes me curious as to exactly how you're doing it. Um, it makes sense though, that you started with the keyboards though. Cause that is kind of the basis for a lot of it, right? Yeah, for sure.
1: That's a, uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's my starting point pretty much for everything. Even if it doesn't end up being on a keyboard, it usually gets written or like blocked out on something like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you, uh, did, did, how long did it take you to go from like l- sitting down at the piano being like, Oh, I figured out this goofy song and some people might like it to, to actually trying in like an electronic keyboard then.
1: Uh so I I actually had the keyboard I used when I was like 6 and doing piano lessons. My parents got me a little like, I don't know, 66 key plasticky, like old Yamaha, you know, one of those stereotype like small electronic keyboards. Mm-hmm. And that was where I'd like go home and try to learn songs I liked and then play them on the piano at lunch. Nice. So that was kind of what I used for a really long time until I got Further into high school, and then I bought like a, a decent digital piano, mm-hmm. but I didn't really like, um, I didn't really make any tracks that ever did anything until senior year of high school, and I never put any music out until freshman year of college.
0: So, uh, let me ask you that was there any nerves going into actually putting your music out, knowing that your music was, um, different than everyone else's? Because I, you're, it's not like you're the only one in Iowa making electronic music, but there's not a whole lot, a whole lot of it going on.
1: <laughs> I, I guess, like, honestly, I've never thought about it too bad for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, the beauty of electronic music, or at least the kind I do, is that I really don't have to write lyrics for anything. And that's, like, I think my weakest point in, entirely is, like, writing good lyrics. So that's always when I get nervous is when I have to put words to something. Um, but with instrumentals, you know, I feel like I can just kind of do this and that and it'll fall into people's hands if they want it to. And I don't have to, like, have all the nerves about, oh, my singing voice. Oh, do these lyrics mean anything to anyone? Because I don't even have to bother with any of that. And I guess the other half is that... um this might sound weird, but I'm not really like shooting for any super high goal with it, or at least at the time I definitely wasn't. I was just kind of like, oh, this is fun. I'm gonna throw some music out. Why not? I got time. Yeah. (laughs) So I was just, I didn't really expect it to go anywhere or really do anything. I just kind of wanted to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I feel you totally with like the lyrics too. Um, I feel like the lyrics are under appreciated in the in the way that they're constructed these days where back in the day people used a lot more like uh innuendos and analogies and things that might not say exactly what they were thinking whereas like nowadays people are just kind of bluntly putting out their what they think you know i it's tough to describe but like the music was a little bit more lyrically poetic the farther back in time you get um as opposed to now um and I don't want to like pigeonhole anybody, but like there's the obvious thing that a lot of people think is, uh, you know, rap music was that was something a lot of people poked a lot of fun at because they're so straightforward with what they're talking about. Um, but if you go the farther back, you go in rap, the more poetic it seemed to be. And I, I do feel the whole writing lyrics thing. I've I've written some music without lyrics and I enjoy doing that more than I do trying to attach lyrics to music. It's not, I think it's not easy, is the thing. Um, I can write like a melody and then it's tough to find the right lyrics to stack on it. Or you can write lyrics and then you're like, I can't put a melody to this lyric that I wrote, you know? So there's this weird thing of that. And I definitely, I definitely feel you on that. Um, is, I guess, uh, do, you, do you sing? Let me ask you that.
1: Uh, I guess I do not really on anything particularly just, I like for fun. Yeah. Like around the house, Mm -hmm. I'm singing pretty much all the time when I'm like doing chores, washing dishes and stuff. Like I, I sing quite a bit, but I've never felt like I had much to say if I was going to put anything on a record. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of changing now. I'm working on a project right now that I think I might have, a Little bit of singing on, mm-hmm. just a little bit. Um, but for the most part, I've been uh, yeah, I've just never really felt like I, I could bring the lyrics together in a way that would warrant singing. Every time I've gotten there, I've just been like, Well, I might as well just make this another instrumental. I think that'd be better for the whole thing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I also think about some of that with electronic music, a lot of it really doesn't have too much singing. Um, I mean, we can point back at Daft Punk, some of their stuff. Well, I'm going to say the song Robot Rock once again. That that's Those are the only lyrics to the song, you know? But it's, yeah. but it's not like they didn't do any singing. Their second album um, actually has some songs with full lyrics and things like that. The fun part about their second album, I guess, would probably be the movie that goes along with it. I don't know if you've have oh, you seen yes. that. Is
1: I've it- seen bits of it, like back... When I was younger, I remember people were, like, bootlegging it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I've seen seen pieces, but I've never seen the whole thing.
0: Oh, man. Interstellar. I think it's called Interstellar 5555. I think it's the name of it. Oh,
1: wait. I have. Sorry. I thought they did, like, a live-action thing for Human After All, and I thought that was the one you were talking about. I have seen... Interstellar five 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 five. Yeah, I think, I, I think that's, that's what how it's many called. fives there are.
0: I think there's four. Yeah. four fives.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I have seen that, and I like that a lot, actually.
0: Yeah, that's actually a really fun concept. Where if if people haven't heard this or know what I'm talking about or what we're talking about, um, if you take the album and you put all the music videos start to finish on the album, it actually makes a really cool mu- movie. Actually, is what it is, and mm-hmm. uh, the concept of the movie is really fun too because it's like a. An intergalactic band battle of the bands competition, and then the one of the bands that places second place is Daft Punk. <laughs> that's the funniest yes. part about it. But mm-hmm. the but the uh, first place band is like, I think it's like the Crescent Dolls, which is actually a name on on the album of a song. But they like uh, somebody abducts them and forces them to play music all around the galaxy as like slaves, and somebody has to try to save them. And that's it's really kind of a fun fun movie and things like that. Do you feel like uh, electronic music lends itself to concepts that are kind of like this a little bit better than other music?
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure because like, I definitely get the whole, you know, sci fi perspective that like, kind of instantly everyone pairs with electronic music. Like, that's just kind of where it goes. So I, I definitely like see people putting more sci fi aspects into that all the time. Uh, But then again, there have been all kinds of like all throughout the past, lots of like weird space operas with classic rock and like metal and stuff. So I feel like it's more easy to go for that route with electronic. But I think kind of I think any genre, you can kind of make it what you want if you really have a vision for it, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, now that you mention it uh like five different albums have popped off the top of my head from like the quote unquote classic rock era that do that um Rush 2112 like the whole B side mm-hmm. of that is the 2112 overture i mean that's that's a I don't know, like a 26 or 28 minute uh concept of a thing uh The Grand Illusion by sticks, the whole album's a concept about not being blinded by the grand illusion of society around you and doing the things that are important to you i mean there's there's so many things like that even as far as uh Pink Floyd, The Wall, and uh, it's, yeah, it's funny that I mentioned that and that it came up so organically because before the before the interview here, we were talking about um, your latest album, Restrict, uh, which is available online. I'm assuming everywhere. I've, I looked at it on Spotify, but I'm assuming it's everywhere. Yes,
1: so, yep, every platform. Okay,
0: yeah, even the ones we don't use. But yep. <laughs> but uh, that album, I, I had told you it, it flows really well from song to song. The songs don't uh specifically blend into one another 100% cuz each song has an ending and a beginning, but it flows so well that I said it's it's almost like, you know, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd where I mean that's one where the songs never actually end. Everything just literally blends into one another and you can play it all start to finish and it's almost like 70 minutes straight, you know, but I feel like your album does uh at least you've constructed it in a fashion where everything kind of blends itself together. Have you tried, like, what is your thought process on doing that? I guess, were you trying to do that? I mean, I would assume so, but
1: yeah, like, so, uh, the kind of way I attack that is usually like most of the time, you know, I think this probably is a given, but like, I want my album to sound cohesive with itself. So like, I want it to be kind of like a nice package where everything sounds like it belongs to the same record. Mm-hmm. And, I think that, I don't know, just usually strengthens the experience. Um, And then I've just been listening to so many good albums that, like, seamlessly blend into each other. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. I really want to do something like that. Like, uh, I was listening to... First time I think I found it was a Flying Lotus album called You're Dead, which is this super awesome, like, jazz electronic... um, yeah, kind of like spiritual thing about dying. It's it's a really like cool concept, but the whole album consists of all these little snippets of songs. And sometimes they go for just like 30 seconds and then you're into the next track and you don't even realize it's happened yet. Like you, sometimes the first time I look up, I'm halfway through the album, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that's really cool to be able to do that. I, I want to try something like that. And yeah, it doesn't quite like, mine doesn't quite flow straight into each other. There were a couple points I th- made them kind of mm-hmm. go into each other. But for the most part, I think I just wanted to keep it, um, like structurally the same. So they all feel like they belong to the same thing.
0: Uh, one of my favorite parts about interviewing people is, uh, is hearing where some of their concepts and ideas and inspiration comes from. And, uh, I'm definitely going to check out that flying Lotus album. Uh, it's, oh, it's so good. It's not something I'm familiar with. And that's one of the reasons I feel like I, I should probably check it out. I, 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 I've, I'm introduced to so many cool people and so many cool different types of music I never would have been exposed to just by simply just interviewing and talking with people about what they're doing. And uh, if anybody else is, like I said, if anybody else is interested in, in just expanding their musical horizon, uh, maybe check out that album because I'm going to as soon as we're done talking. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so how long, let me ask you this. How long does it take you to like write one of these songs? Um, uh, let me put some context to it like if i'm sitting here with a guitar i can i don't want to say like just fart out a song but i can just kind of like here's a song it's 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 four chords and then and then the bridge is like the same chords in a different pattern and boom it's done just stack some lyrics on it wham it's like five minute process doesn't mean it's bad or good it's just i feel like writing a song um you know, in the most basic sense of writing a song is maybe not so hard, but like your music is definitely more experimental and involved, I would say, than just somebody sitting down with an acoustic guitar going like, all right, GCD, like, let's rock it, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so how how do you build this stuff? Uh, Like, I don't know. I I have no concept of this. Do you, do you pick a key and go with it? Do you even follow keys? Cause sometimes it feels like you're not even really following a key, but it still fits somehow.
1: Yeah. So, um, that's an interesting thing. Like, I wish I had an easy, like way I could sit down and do it, but I'm totally like a random inspiration kind of person when it comes to like putting things together. So most of the time I'll just be like taking a shower And all of a sudden, like a little thing will pop into my head and I'll be like, whoa, that's good. I can't forget that. And I'll throw it in my DAW and I'll forget about it for like three months. And then I'll like just be sitting at the piano, maybe, and I'll come up with something just messing around. And then suddenly I'll be like, oh, that might fit with that other thing that I did three months ago. Uh, But like, I really can't make myself do it. I found I just kind of have to wait around (laughs) until something happens Uh, but I never feel bad once it does get there. Like so far, just random bursts of inspiration have not failed me yet. Uh, at least with getting to where I want something to sound. So yeah, most of the time I just kind of do what I feel comfortable doing. And most of the time I hit a wall after a little bit and then I'm like, all right, got to take a step back maybe in another month or so I'll know what to do with the rest of this.
0: That's actually really beautiful because that fits along really well with what some other people that are like singer songwriters that I've talked to where they're like, I came up with this cool, you know, crunchy riff or whatever, and I don't know where to put it. So I just recorded it. I set it aside and I'll come back to it at another time. And like you said, you might have this like epiphany, this aha moment a month later where you're like, oh, that one thing I did actually would fit with this maybe, you know, or maybe Mm -hmm. if I change it just a tiny bit, it'll fit with this really, really well. So these people will actually are, you know, there's... I figured what you're doing and what people like the guitar players, the singer songwriters and stuff. I, I, for some reason, I just thought it would be like not even close to the same, but I'm finding ironically a lot of parallels between the two.
1: Yeah. I guess the only like difference I could think of really is like, sometimes I do have just like bad ideas that I want to try. And a lot of songs actually that I end up putting out do come from like me just, for lack of a better word, experimenting with something that I I don't think I'm like as familiar with, like um, oh, what was it? Um, a couple of the songs on Restrict, or like uh, one of the songs on Restrict, Core Killer is was from the product of me saying I just want to make a song with some friends that's one hundred percent improvised, oh. and then I'm gonna get like. 15 minutes of improvisation, and then I'm going to edit it down into a song afterwards and see if I can make something cool out of a bunch of random improvisation.
0: That's cool. Yeah. You know, there's actually some strength to that too, because sometimes I will throw down like a backing track uh, and put it in my headphones and then just record some guitar over the backing track. And Like you said, you can have this nine-minute backing track of this boring thing that you're jamming along to, and then before you know it, when you delete the backing track, you're like, some of the stuff I came up with over here actually wasn't too bad. You know, I could put my own chord progressions behind it and things like that and edit it around this way and maybe double this part a couple times, and wham, that's not a terrible song, you know? Oh,
1: yeah. You can really put things together if you know what you're looking for, I think.
0: Yeah, And, and once again, some of that comes down to, you know, Record all your ideas, even if they might not be your best ideas, because you never know what will happen when it comes down to like, you know, this might not be what you think your best idea is. But five months from now, this it might fit perfectly with something else. And now it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it a lot of it comes from just kind of all over the place too. like if we're talking about that same song, all of it was improvised. Like I gave that little um, synth bass loop over and over again, little piano figure. And we just all kind of was just all of us sitting in a basement just recording for 15 minutes over that loop and seeing what we did, except for one part. And the only thing I wanted scripted was this like really low, like bowed bass solo, like upright bass solo. And I basically just like I was uh, I was doing a show and there was a guy there. It was a jazz show. And this guy had like an extra string on his stand up bass. I, I'm not a bassist, so I'm going to butcher this entirely. But it was basically a, just an extra, super longer, extended string, and he played an entire solo as low as basically possible, and uh, like just with with his bow. And I was like, "That's really cool. I want to do something like that." <laughs>
0: that I, that's that's a, It comes back to something else I was going to ask you. Um, honestly, I don't want to just like shift the gear super hard, but you, you were talking about playing shows, and that led me to believe. how do you play shows with this music, I guess? Like when it's, there's so many parts and there's so much going on.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I guess that was kind of misleading, actually. Um, I'm a freelance audio guy. Mm -hmm. So when I play shows, I'm actually just behind the board most of the time. Okay. I really actually haven't gotten around with this music um, yet. I'm always trying to, but that's kind of a thing that I've like wanted to or needed to tackle at some point in time is like, how am I going to translate all this? I think the way I'd go about it is get like a good amount of musicians, you know, like a, you know, standard rhythm section, probably a woodwind player and then kind of take it in a more free direction for like live, mm-hmm. like where instead of all these layered parts, we kind of like pick the most important parts. And then we just kind of open it up to like everyone's interpretation of it. I don't know. I like the idea of, a uh, I like the idea of, like, improv a lot, and especially in a live setting. So I think a lot of the, like, glamour of it all, I, I think I'd probably cut back and just kind of see how everyone plays off each other more than having a really structured thing, you know?
0: yeah. Do you think there's, uh, I mean, there's obviously places for, for cover bands and for singer-songwriters and for, you know, metal bands and punk bands and country people, like all, there's like different bars and areas and places where people can play. Um, are there very many places that have like an electronic featured as maybe their like go-to music style? You know, I haven't found any. I know
1: there was a place in Des Moines that was doing some like electronic nights But just like, yeah, like a single night out of the week every once in a while. Um, I haven't been around, actually, the music scene, like the live music scene all that much. So I'm probably missing something. But I haven't really seen a lot of that around. But I also feel like there's got to be people who are doing it, you know, or at least places that like let guys come in and do DJ sets. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if you're letting a guy come in and do a DJ set, then it's probably not too far of a reach to let someone come in and do semi-electronic music.
0: Yeah, I feel like that's justifiable cuz so, I mean, that's something I feel like uh people who play electronic music unfortunately a lot of you guys get the stigma of um all you do is plug a flash drive into your computer, hit the space bar and walk away, you know, and like I feel like oh, yeah. I feel like that's pretty lowbrow or that's like, you know, the low-hanging fruit is the way to make fun of somebody for doing what they're doing, but um how would how would yeah. if you wanted to play live, how I guess, like, how would your style differ than, than just that? Because I, I understand, I guess, where some people are coming from where they think that, like, well, they're not really actually playing the music or, or, or whatever, but <laughs> yeah. like, but the other end of it is if somebody literally is going to be one of those types of people that just puts a flash drive in and hits the space bar and walks away, they still had to make the music in the first place.
1: Well, yeah, it doesn't really make sense as a criticism, right? I mean, you're still getting the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think I've kind of accidentally avoided that just by the way I make the music in the first place. So I'm like a big geek for analog stuff.
0: Nice. Not even
1: uh, I don't have any like super vintage anything, but like I have some good replicas of stuff to get me through. And I I feel like I just want to be doing something anyways. If I'm doing a live show, like I want it to be something That me and the band need to be there for, you know, Mm -hmm. like I want you to experience what all of us are maybe going to try to do that night. That's different than maybe the next night we do it if, you know, it happens. So personally, I think part of like paring down all my recordings to be live will make it so I'll just be playing the keyboard or the synth part that I feel is the most needed there. And then everyone else, hopefully I'll kind of write in to like fill in the gaps where it needs to be, you know, Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's this weird double standard, I feel, though, too, that like people might not realize they're doing. Like one of the one of the concepts I would like to think is like, you go to a wedding and there's a guy behind the DJ booth and he's playing music and you're not like crapping all over him. Like he's not actually playing, you know, piano <laughs> man. He's playing at, You know, he's just hitting the space bar and standing there. You're not like crapping all over this DJ guy. like why yeah. would And so like, and people are more than accepting of that, too. I mean, they're so accepting of that that they will pay these people extra money to, re- re- you know, request songs and things like that. Um, yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it's almost like getting mad at a jukebox because it's not a real person playing music. You know, it's I, I once again, I kind of sort of almost understand where people are coming from. But I also think it's you're they're not thinking it through well enough, you know?
1: Yeah, I. I, I definitely get that. Like. I feel like it kind of comes with this weird form of like live music purism where it's like, well, music isn't real unless it's the instruments I'm used to. And if the (laughs) instruments are electronic, they're not real instruments. Yeah. And like that. Yeah. Like when you think about it, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And most of the time you're still playing your electronic instruments the same way you would play an acoustic instrument. Yeah. It's just like a, a like a disconnect, though, where it's like, oh, well, that's not real. You can just program it to do whatever you want. <laughs> well, kind of. But it's rarely ever even that. Like, usually, even if it's a guy up there with, like, Ableton playing his tracks, usually there's, like, live time, you know, changing and mixing that's going on there. Mm-hmm. It's... As far as I'm concerned, it's rarely ever just going up, pressing a button, walking over and having a beer while your music plays.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the thing a lot of people don't understand is like, they, you see it on the internet sometimes, some of the biggest DJs in the world, you know, and they're, you know, people are just like, they're not even doing anything. But if you actually watch some of the stuff they're doing, like you said, they're actually live triggering changes and things like that in their music. It's not like they sat down and were like, here's a two hour set and I can just turn on Windows Media Player and, and just play it. And it's cool. They actually have to yeah. like live trigger some loops. They have to live trigger changes. Um, this isn't something a lot of people might not know, but like I I kind of got interested in a while for uh, like a what I would call like electronic musicians throwing people a swerve where it feels like a really big beat drop is going to come. And then all of a sudden it's just like, um, you know, I guess I can't remember the name of the song, which is like, I would walk a thousand miles if I could just see. And they like, they throw that kind of stuff in there just to throw a swerve at people. And people are like, Oh my gosh, I didn't see this coming. You know, it's hilarious. And you got to imagine that the people
1: making music live, Want to have fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is the same with everyone, but I don't think it'd be enjoyable to just go up and press a button. No. I, I think most people playing their music want
0: to be enjoying playing their music at the same time as the audience. Exactly. And and you also brought up another good point where it's like, if you're using an electronic keyboard and uh, like a trumpet sound is coming out, and you're getting mad at somebody because they're not actually playing a real trumpet. It's like they still have to play this thing on a keyboard, you know, and it's it's, it's like just getting mad at somebody for playing the piano is pretty much what it is.
1: Whatever. Your guitar didn't sound like that till you put it through an amp. I'm not (laughs) mad at you for having a fuzzy guitar tone.
0: (laughs) No kidding. Quit using octave pedals. Get a 12 string, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I'm I'm glad I could have this open-minded conversation with you, and hopefully we're not losing too many people on this, because I feel like this is an important conversation that needs to be had, honestly. Um, a lot of people, like you said, that are are so purist in, like, this has to be the most traditional way that music plays, and if you're not playing the m- instruments I'm playing, then you're not actually making music and stuff like that, but, yeah. I mean, think about it this way, like... Imagine the first time somebody ever heard a banjo where they're just like, "That sucks. it's stupid. Throw it in the garbage, Burn it. you know, like I get it. I get it. Nobody likes the banjo, you know, well, there are people that like the banjo, but still, it's like one of those things where like, if you just turned your nose up at every new instrument that came along, we wouldn't have guitars. we wouldn't have anything. it It would just literally only be drums, you know,
1: yeah, and like again, I'm not even like mad at people who don't consider electronic music real music. I mean, that's your. That's your decision to make, you know, yeah. and if you don't want to hear any of it, go for it. I just think you might be happier if you give it a shot. <laughs>
0: That's true. That's true. I mean, that once again, it's uh, just because sometimes I have to t- remind myself, like, this music might not have been made for me, you know? And when I tell myself that, I go places and I see music that's being played, and I I think to myself, kind of like your music, it's like my brain can't make this, and I don't know how this person is even making this, and it ends up being instead of me being stuck up and turning my nose up at it, it's more mind blowing, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good mindset to have about it, though, too, you know? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of cool things out there that are different, and because uh, I mean, I used to be that way, like before I got to college. Go figure. I. I was totally like, oh, electronics. Like I took an electronic comp class and we got into this like listening list. And I was like, this is all a bunch of crap. Because it was like, it was like all these like, um, well, super experimental, like 60s recordings where like people were trying like some were just spoken word poems with like the channels mixed all over the place. And like just synthesizer sounds that people didn't really have. Like it wasn't tonal. It Mm -hmm. was all over the place. And I was like, this sucks. This is horrible. Why would anyone ever want to listen to this? And by the time I got done with it all, I was like, this is just kind of another form of people trying to make art and express themselves. And like, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to just write that kind of stuff off. You don't have to like it. And trust me, some of that stuff I respect, but I wouldn't want to listen to again. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I totally may not be my choice, but. I, I think going through that gauntlet of all this weird stuff ended up giving me a lot more, like, respect for it, even if it wasn't my thing anymore, I guess.
0: Yeah. I mean, I also think something maybe – it might harken itself a little bit to, like, uh, like jazz music. You were talking jazz music earlier. Uh, mm. I, I totally understand jazz isn't for everyone. But there's also this weird thing that some people say is, like, jazz is music for musicians um imagine like uh some some comedy people don't like because it might toe the line or it might be a little offensive one way or the other but that's like comedy for comedians you know and that's like kind of like jazz is music for musicians where it's like they're not using this standard one four five you know like i said gcd or you know eab and you just like repeat it over and over again we're doing the blues 12 bar shuffle you know and if people are just like well i'm throwing you know uh a minor this over an augmented that, and it actually makes a really cool chord that most people wouldn't think sounds pleasing, but in the context of everything around it, it actually fits very well. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, I got... Yeah. No, I, I totally get you. Like,
1: oh, and that's the thing, too. There's lots of different starting points for all kinds of things. I mean, jazz was trying to be way harmonically dense, and that, like... Ultimately, I guess when, you know, other musicians, if you're really trained in, like, harmony and stuff, you're like, whoa, I recognize how harmonically, like, dense this is. And, wow, that connects. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, so I feel like, yeah, that makes sense that, you know, all these different starting points of different genres kind of bring out different characteristics in people's lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. and. You know, once again, I think some of it comes down to, like, the mindset people have going into places. I, like you, um, about the time I went into college the first time, uh, when I graduated high school, I was just like... This music is the best music, and it is the only good music. And this is the music that (laughs) everyone should be listening to, you know. And like metalheads, you know, might be a little rough around the edges, but they play so many notes, and they're very good at scales and arpeggios (laughs) and everything else. And they're the best. It's the best music ever. And then you start to listen to some other stuff, and you're like, well, actually, some of this stuff that's a little bit more, you know, like you said, harmonically balanced, or like it involves a lot deeper threads of music, it, it makes you think you know this music actually is something completely different than what i'm used to and you start to appreciate it a little bit more and then when i started playing live music it's it's like you get to watch people do this right in front of your face and and that's the thing that kind of blows me away where it's like wow these people are actually doing these things that you heard on albums that you know when you listen to the album you're like oh man this this there's no way this could ever be recreated live or something like that and then you hear it live and you're like this is really interesting because, once again, this isn't something my brain thought of, nor is it something my brain possibly could ever think of. And somebody else did. And that I think that's what I, gives me so much more appreciation to it. You know, I used to not like country and, and folk music and all this other stuff. And I found myself playing a lot more country and folk with people and enjoying it a lot more because – it challenges me to to go a different direction than just you know like I said playing metal or punk where it's just all power chords and and simple minor scales and things like that. Do you think that mm-hmm. uh, do you think that like um, as far as making your music, do you have different genres that kind of maybe influence you a little bit more than others, or do you think that as you grow, you kind of start to to realize this thing these people are doing over here might actually fit into what I'm doing over here a little bit?
1: So, yeah, I I guess I've always kind of just been influenced by what I was listening to at the time, because I pretty much like the only thing I have in terms of a life, especially in quarantine, is just kind of listening to music and trying to make some music. So um, I've always been really yeah like heavily, like probably most people, just taking ideas and things I think are cool from all kinds of stuff around me. And yeah, so like earlier on, it was a lot more electronic stuff. I've always liked I've always liked jazz and so I've always tried to incorporate some kind of jazziness into things. Um, but like uh, as yeah, my tastes have changed and my like musical obsessions and like deep dive kind of things have affected me, it's definitely like played a big part into how I like to how I like to do stuff and yeah, just kind of the sounds I want to go for. I think that's always sort of happening with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, another question I want to ask you, do you think there's much of like, a for the electronic music scene, I feel like there is a learning curve that deters a lot of people. So for example, I've got a, uh, MIDI keyboard and I've even got like one of those, uh, like Ableton live, like 10 by 10 pads or eight by eight pads that they have there that you can, that you can trigger things. And the, I always, that's, that's how much I've been intrigued by electronic music to the point where I bought some stuff, but the learning curve to set it all up, to get the programs, to get all the right sounds you want in there is the thing that deterred me from doing it was, I thought like, oh, I could just load in some preloaded stuff and then just hit some buttons and it would actually sound cool together. And it's not exactly that easy, you know, is, do you think that the learning curve is one of the reasons there's probably not a high level of electronic music being made?
1: Well, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of, like, barriers to getting into that kind of stuff. And honestly, I don't think... I think there are ways to get around it because, quite honestly, I'd be considered, like, a fool by anyone else who makes electronic music doing what I do, or at least in terms of, like, the traditional way people do it. I don't use Ableton. I barely use any... I don't even have any MIDI controllers I use anymore. Like, I have Audition, which is primarily for, like you know, doing like radio editing Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of like physical keyboards behind me. And I just try sequencing it all like that way. Like I'm actually really not very savvy when it comes to like Ableton and all that other, like all the, all the kind of typical stuff. And I don't think there's anything at all wrong with being good at that. And I think it's great to be good at that. I'd like to get better at it. I think I just kind of somehow avoided even getting exposed to it that much. And then I fell into a routine that I could make work. And then I've just sort of stuck with it this whole time, because I still like it.
0: That's beautiful. Um, I mean, (laughs) that's like you said, you you almost took this thing that might be a deterrent to most people and and just bypassed it and used something instead that would work for you instead of doing this thing that everyone else is doing. And that's, That's honestly like super beautiful because like I said, I've got these MIDI keyboards and stuff and I got all this software on my computer and it's like, I kind of know how to run some of it, but it's not even passable enough to make good music, you know? And then it's like, it's, you almost feel like you need a degree in some of this software to even be able to run it well, you know?
1: You honestly do in some cases. And I think that's kind of where the problem starts, you know, like it's pretty hard to get good at a lot of these things. Yeah. And what's more, if you want to use them for your, like, if you want to use them for a job, you've got to get a certification, like, in Pro Tools and stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't even think about it. Like,
0: that's, I don't think that should be that way, you know? No. I mean, there is, I mean, I get some of it where it's like, if you want this to be done as professionally as possible, yeah, maybe go to somebody that, you know, might might have trained in this to do it better or at least has... You know, you don't want to be the guinea pig for somebody or just be the guinea pig on yourself to do this stuff. Because, yeah. like I said, it would be a giant deterrent to be like, uh, you know, I don't know, what is, what is clipping? You know, you could just start with some of the most basic stuff where you're just like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. I'm just confused. I quit, you know, and I feel like yeah. there's actually a lot of people that, sad as it sounds, might actually go that route.
1: Yeah, I I guess I just, I think it's, just kind of a big barrier in general because, I mean, some of that stuff is just so complicated and where do you go to learn about that kind of stuff in any kind of
0: good way that doesn't cost a lot of money? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it's not like we're calling people gatekeepers in the sense that like, oh, you know how to do this and you're not teaching me. And it's like, well, this person spent, you know, hundreds of hours and probably thousands of dollars learning how to do this. I, If, if you want your stuff recorded and you don't know how to record, yeah, maybe pitch this person a couple hundred bucks to record it for you because they spent all the time, energy and money to learn it. Um,
1: oh, yeah, 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 for sure. I definitely don't think it's like a like an audio engineer's or like the problem kind of thing. I think it's sort of the way like the company set it up, honestly, that make it like, cause I mean, I don't know if I can say this, but, um, avid, like locked down the entire market on everything for such a long time, you know? Yeah. Like you had to use things that were compatible with avid or you couldn't use any of them. Yeah. And yeah. how hard is that to get like a job <laughs> when you're not good with every avid project? Bingo. You can't use anything. That's not avid licensed. Like, that's the kind of problem I have, not really with, like, the people who use it, but more with, like, the way it's structured in the first place.
0: Uh, I'm 100% with you on that. Because, I mean, we can just look at the uh, Pro Tools versus Studio One argument, you know? And, like like you said, back in the day, there was some stuff where it's like, this has to – it only works with Studio One. and won't work with Pro Tools. And you're like, well, I don't want to just buy another software just to make it work with this other software when I have this other one that seemingly works fine. Um you were talking avid i actually have uh, a piece of hardware here that's called an avid 11 rack and the 11 rack the crazy thing about that is you can plug your guitar into it and you can make it make any noise you want to for the most part it's almost like a an amp model or some sort of like a synthesizer type deal for your guitar and uh it does not work well it does not play nicely with every software um for example Mm -hmm. you, you cannot uh Connect it seamlessly to GarageBand, unless you do a lot of like backdoor plugins and things like that. And even then, some of them are unlicensed, so you end up with this thing where it's like, yeah, you got to download this thing, and it's not even licensed through the product, and it's like <laughs> a third-party thing. And you already have two different softwares, you got to use three different companies' softwares just to connect this thing, um, unless you just want to plug it into an interface. You know, that's about the only other way to bypass it simply. And I mean, that even comes with its own issues too. Um, (laughs) hopefully, hopefully we're not losing too many people on this that don't do much like recording and things like that. And it's not like I'm a pro at recording stuff either. Um, if I, if I can be honest with you, I'm just using GarageBand to record the the podcast. I do every week. Uh, the reason why it's simple and audio recording does not take a whole lot of engineering to do.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. I think we were just talking about with like genre and stuff like. I don't think there's a reason to like look down on what works, you know. Bingo,
0: bingo, and I and trust me, I've had a lot of people turn their nose at me for just using GarageBand, <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's pretty funny because I, you know, the podcast works; it comes out every week. You can hear what we're saying. <laughs>
1: yeah, like would you even know? Would you be able to say, "Oh, this was on GarageBand"?
0: Uh, no, you wouldn't. I guarantee you would
1: not be able to tell
0: <laughs> unless somebody is like a huge audiophile. Even then, even then, I would still say probably not, you know? So,
1: yeah, like, so again, like, where, what's the point of getting all weird about that?
0: I, you know, I don't know. And I think that's some of the divide that happens in music that might keep a lot of us from enjoying each other's music, though, too, is the fact that some people think the way I'm doing things is the right way to do things. And it's the only way to do things. And that that comes right back to what you said about people saying, well, this guy's not playing a guitar with distortion on it. So uh, what he's doing is not music.
1: Yeah, <laughs> everybody's got their system. Yeah, if it works, just go for it.
0: No kidding, no kidding. So you just <laughs> had your uh, recent album, which was called Restrict. Once again, it's available online anywhere. That came out. Let me see. I'm. I'm a. i am i am think if I can remember correctly, it came out in October. Yes. So, uh, how long does it take you to make a whole album? Let me ask you that.
1: Oh boy. So, yeah, that's the fun part with um, like what I was saying about how it'll just take me months to get inspiration for songs and stuff. Um, Restrict took me about exactly a year to come up with and get done because, yeah, I was having ideas for it. Yeah. A year prior to the release, I was like, I want to I want to do something. And then, of course, it got totally mangled and turned into something that I didn't imagine. And now we have the product. But I was happy with what happened. It just always takes that kind of route where it, like, mutates mm-hmm. a lot before it gets to the final the final thing. Well, uh, and it doesn't always take me a year, though. Um, like, I am hope I don't jinx it by saying this, but, like, the one I'm working on right now, I already have quite a lot of stuff done for, or at least very close to finished for. So I'm hoping to be able to, like, spit that out sometime in, I don't know, the next few months if I can. Yeah. Uh, Fingers crossed, basically. But, yeah, I I never know because it's just such like a – like I said, I really can't make myself sit down and write. Yeah. So it's just kind of a waiting game sometimes.
0: Yeah, you can't really, like, force inspiration either. I mean – Maybe to an extent you can, but you might be sacrificing quality on the back end by doing so.
1: Yeah, I, I've always felt like it. Every time I try to make myself do it, I feel like it's forced. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's not even that way. Like Maybe that's just how I think about it, but I don't feel comfortable doing it anytime I try to make myself write something.
0: Yeah, um and like some you, like you said, you started out writing the album which is restrict and it, it you had this one idea in mind and then by the time it was done it was it was different than what you had originally thought of. And I feel like if you end up um like we said forcing that inspiration and just pushing it through, you're actually maybe even being a little closed-minded to your own ideas.
1: Yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, just kind of let it flow and go with what i mean it's your own album so you know if you're going to like it or not i think that's true that's true um so yeah if it changes i think it's probably always in your best interest and if you allow the change
0: yeah yeah exactly yeah i mean once again some of that comes to being um maybe not even just open minded about your own music but other people's music too if someone's going to like maybe say oh i like this but if you do something maybe kind of like this it might sound a little So, uh, you know, and then and then you're like, oh, you know, light bulb goes off. I'm going to try something different. And then all of a sudden you're like, that's not so bad, you know, and I actually kind of enjoy this. And uh, yeah, it's it's not always easy to be open minded, though. Let's let's call the spade a spade, too.
1: I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, There's still like (laughs) stuff that I don't particularly like incorporate in my music just because I'm less comfortable with it or feel like I can't make it work or. (laughs) The <laughs> so I think there's always like boundaries you got to keep pushing over and over again.
0: Yeah, uh, you said it beautifully, too. Uh, it might not be something you're comfortable with, or it just might not fit in what you're trying to accomplish. So that doesn't mean that it's bad either, though, you know.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure.
0: Let me ask you this. I do know you have. Uh, let me pull this up here. Do 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 boop. All right. So you've got three albums. Is that correct? Three full length albums.
1: Yes. And then a couple EPs and the soundtrack in there.
0: Yeah, what, let me ask you the soundtrack. What's the soundtrack about?
1: Uh, the soundtrack was for, so this was my junior year of college. I had a friend who was working on a, basically just like an indie movie. Yeah, like a local indie movie. Um, and she was like, hey, I think I actually, yeah, I, I was just like, before we even really knew each other, I heard her talking about a movie and I was trying to network with people. So I was like, hey, if you ever need anyone who like records and does music, shoot me like a message or something. She was like, okay, sure, whatever. And eventually it just kind of fell together like that. So um, yeah, they were making a horror movie locally at the time. And uh, I got the privilege of making the soundtrack for it.
0: Uh, The movie's called Play Dead, if I'm reading it all correctly. Uh, And you wrote the music to it, which is pretty wild. Let me ask you this. (laughs) Do you know if Play Dead is available to be viewed anywhere? Or is it something that was made so independently, they just kind of shelved it as a project for fun?
1: It's on YouTube, Ooh. and it should just be Play Dead movie. I don't remember exactly what the title is. I um, hmm, it's out there though. At least of like last year, it's one hundred percent out there.
0: I'm totally checking it out, and I'm not even a horror movie fan. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this though: your music, I feel, would lend itself to writing um, like a soundtrack for a movie so much better than. Uh, maybe metal or punk or, or country or something like that because I mean if you sit and listen to the, like the big box movies and things like that it's a lot more electronic stuff going on and it's not like somebody's out there with a heavy distorted guitar going you know like it doesn't make sense so um, do you would you concur that your music might lend itself to um, maybe taking on different avenues than traditional music might
1: yes I, I... I think that kind of does fall into it a lot. And um, that's actually happened, too. It wasn't specifically a soundtrack, but another one of my EPs, like three of the five songs were written for a short film. So, like, it kind of just comes up. But I think, yeah, having like, I think that was also that was also after I did play Dead. So I think I was kind of like people were people knew that I did that soundtrack. So they were like, oh, he does soundtracks. Mm. Do you need him for this? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's great. I personally really like that it lends itself to doing soundtracks because I have a lot of fun with that. And that also saves me the trouble of having to, like, come up with a concept in my own head. Like, for once I, I see what's going on and I get to just make what I think will work for it.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I didn't even think of that because they could, they could give you something that's like uh, in the pre-production process or it's been filmed and it needs to be edited down and stuff. And you're like, well, we got this scene that kind of goes like this. Can you write something that fits it? And that's so much, I would say that's so much easier than just being like out of the blue, think of something great, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like it's a lot of fun to actually kind of have those guidelines there and be like, all right, now I know what I'm trying to do at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, uh, now that I think about that, um, like bands, once they get established, uh, the ones that, there's some bands, I would say, that start to experiment and, and change their music as more albums they make, but some of them start to find themselves where they're like, this is the lane that my stuff fits in, and then they can really start chugging out some great albums when they realize what lane their music fits in, and that might actually be somewhat similar to what you're talking about, where they're like, oh, now I know what direction we're going in, and let's just let's just lean that way and run fast, you know?
1: Totally. I think it feels good to have that kind of structure sometimes. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I like both sides of it, honestly. I like being able to have, like, total control and just make stuff up. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's like, really refreshing to just have, like, a do this, up to you now kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, you know what people want in the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes I- a lot of the stress out of it.
0: Yeah. One of the analogies somebody had spit at me once and I really loved it was it's almost like somebody like built the framework for a house and they just like look at you and they're like, finish it, put on whatever siding, paint it, whatever color, you know, decorate the inside, however you want. Uh, Here's the frame though. Just, just finish it.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Honestly, It, it feels, it feels different and it feels nice because of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Here's something else I want to ask you too. While we're talking about the fact that you have, um, there's three albums, I think there's three albums available on on Spotify, if I'm not mistaken, and then a handful of singles and EPs. Do you view that there's a difference between the full album and the EP, uh, how people today are perceiving them, uh, maybe the marketability of it all? It just seems to be a common uh, you know, point of conversation I make with a lot of people. I see people bringing it up online a lot where it's like, the full album is dead. EPs are the way to go or, or put out a new single every month instead of putting out one album a year. Cause then you get every month you get to expose people to new stuff. And I've got to ask you your, what are your thoughts on this?
1: So yeah, again, like in my perspective, I'm not like, I don't have like a solid marketing plan. Like my goal, I guess is still just to kind of put stuff out and maybe like <laughs> as weird as it sounds, I guess my dream is like when I'm like 70 years old the next generation like finds my music on some old website and they're like, wow, this was cool. <laughs> and then I'm like 70 and it doesn't matter to me anymore. But still like, I don't really want super amounts of fame or anything. I just kind of want to put stuff I like out and if it sticks, it sticks. And if it doesn't, I had some fun doing it. So um, I probably am not a great person to ask with the marketing because I don't follow a very good marketing strategy <laughs> myself. I'm just going to like, here's my thing. Take a look at it or don't do whatever. Uh, But I definitely agree. I was just talking about this um, with the guys in the Zachary Daniels band, uh, who I'm a member of. Uh, And we um, we were talking about that because we're working on music and stuff like that. Uh, And I was like, oh, we should do an album. And um, one of my friends was like, well, that's cool and that's awesome. But like, it kind of makes more sense to start giving people like a trickle of singles and then an EP Cause you're still getting people engaged, mm-hmm. and he was totally right. I'm just kind of like, I don't know, an idealist about that. Where I like, I like the form of an album a lot, because I don't know, it just feels really personal to me. I like the whole like flow of it. It feels like you really like took time constructing it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. To me
1: personally, um, but I do think like the smarter, more marketable idea, for certain, and even a good artistic idea is, yeah, to put singles out. To put EPs out, just stuff that keeps people's attention, because there's so much stuff out there, it's hard to keep people's
0: attention. That's very, very true. And I, you almost like touched on something I was gonna bring up as a follow-up question. Do you think that making full albums, um, I guess I gotta find the right way to phrase this. Do you think it uh, lends itself more to the full artistic expression as opposed to just cranking out one song and just being like done? you know, um, because anybody, like I said, anybody can just kind of crank out a song and be like, here's the song, like it or don't like it, whatever. But like you said, if you're making a whole album, it almost has to, you look at it more as a big picture. It's like uh, uh, the forest for the trees kind of a deal maybe to me. Um, Do you feel like there's something like that that uh, allows you to be maybe more musically expressive in a full album than if you were to just put out an EP of two songs?
1: I I think it makes it, easier to like come up with you know big ideas and stuff because you've got that much more space to do it you know now you're like here's all this room for me to really expand on this but i don't think that like writes off eps as an idea either i think eps are great and even singles are just like you know they're almost like it's like a dull criticism technique to like compare things to food but like eps are like the snacks you know Mm. And you can get something really tasty and short and good, and you're like, "Wow, that's awesome." So sometimes I think it's the best to put it out in a really short way because you're like, snappy, Here's a couple really good songs, and you leave people wanting more. and they're like, "Wow, that was that was good. That was to the point.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: kind of wishy-washy. But I think everything kind of has its own merit, depending on like what you're shooting for. I personally am a big like sucker for the album format because I like, Big pretentious theatrical crap. So I like getting (laughs) real out there with it. And I like all the space that that gives you to mess with it. But I think EPs are cool, too. And I definitely do them. Although a lot of the times, like my EPs are if I have like some stuff that I don't think is going to fit everywhere else. And I just kind of want to put things that I like out. A lot of the time they're like less focused, I guess, in my opinion.
0: I think that makes sense. I like the food analogy though too cuz it's not like snacks are bad things. I mean, you're thinking like, well, potato chips, whatever, but like you can have, you know, you can have good healthy snacks that taste good and it's actually like good for you and you don't have to eat full meals all the time, you know? So there is yeah. there's definitely merit to singles and EPs for sure. But uh, totally. I also love the the thought of like coming up with a more grand idea, like a bigger picture artwork. Um that kind of made me think like if an artist is really good, and they they paint something that's like on a four by four canvas like four inch by four inch canvas does that mean that that whatever they painted on a four inch by four inch canvas sucks compared to something on a two foot by four foot i don't think i don't i don't think so but (laughs) you know it's just smaller
1: totally that yeah exactly (laughs) that that makes perfect sense i think I think you nailed it completely.
0: <laughs> okay, now we're gonna now we're gonna shift gears. We're getting we've I think we actually covered an hour, but there's still something I gotta ask you because uh, it did just dawn on me that that you're the guy that drives to go to the D- Zachary Daniels band shows and practices and things. Like, yep. <laughs> so we gotta talk about a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, do you feel like uh, it's difficult to gear shift? from making electronic style music to, uh, adding to a singer songwriters type thing.
1: I think that's kind of another thing. Um, like I was talking about a little while ago where having structure actually feels good to me because now it's like, it's, it's Zach's vision, you know, and I'm just here to help him out with kind of putting it together. So in that way, I kind of, it's really easy for my brain to shift into you know, what's good for this kind of thing rather than like inject a bunch of my own weird garbage into his (laughs) songs, which clearly like they're not going to mesh that well. (laughs) I want to make, I want to help him make his songs sound like his songs, not like his songs and my songs on top of them. Like, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but I think again, I think like, yeah, he's like, here's a song. What do you guys think would be good for it? Let's run through it and mess with stuff. And I I feel like it kind of – I just kind of easily get into that groove because there's already that basis there and I don't have to be like, oh, well, what if we did all this weird crap? (laughs) I'm just sort of like, okay, yeah, here's some things I think would work. I'm assuming – So I think it's kind of easy.
0: I'm assuming you guys are professional enough with one another too where if you bounced ideas off each other and you're like, that might not be the direction I was thinking this would go. You guys are okay with it as opposed to being like, oh, I'm so offended that you didn't like my idea, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. It's it's a very um, it's a very healthy kind of communication we have when it
0: comes to that process. That's good. That's good. Um, that, that's not always the case in every band. So uh, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, um, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. I've, I speak from a little bit of experience, but that's not always the case. Um, it's beautiful sure. when you can find a band when you get along with people. And uh, let me ask you this. You're playing shows with Zachary Daniels Band. I'm assuming you're traveling almost two hours to every show. That's mm-hmm. nothing new to me, man. I live in northern Iowa, and I play a lot of my <laughs> shows in Des Moines. Let, oh, yeah. Let's talk about the dedication or the, the passion that it takes to do stuff like that. You, you really have to be interested in making the music uh, if you want to do stuff like that, because let's be honest, it's no longer about the money if you're driving two hours one way to play a set.
1: Oh, Definitely. That's, that's, that's totally it though. Yeah. I, I it kind of is a funny thing actually though. Cause like it didn't start with me in Des Moines. I actually was up at UNI in oh. college when the band formed. Cool. And it was literally like two weeks before I moved back to Des Moines. And I was like, Hey man, yeah, I'd like to be in your band. Also, I'm going to be two hours away from here for <laughs> the rest of probably forever. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I I really wanted to just play music, too, you know, and if I got to help a friend out with his project, that was all the better for it. So I was definitely I was already used to making the two hour drive up to college from like where I, my parents place. So um, I was like, pretty much is going to be the same thing. And yeah, I, I've, I've been pretty comfortable with that. But it definitely you've got to want to do it, though, for
0: sure. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, I'm just going to say yes. (laughs) I (laughs) I sometimes feel my own drive waver here and there sometimes, but like, once again, that comes back to like, if you want to take a week off where you're like, oh, we practice every Friday. And then you're just like, well, this Friday, I just don't feel like driving down. Or I, you know, I have a prior engagement and I think I'll take care of that instead it's nice to be with a band that's understanding enough that'll be like, it's cool. We'll catch you next week. You know, as opposed totally. to just being like, you're out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> I, um,
1: this whole like, you know, zoom thing has opened up a lot of avenues for that too. Cause now we've actually just had some like stuff where instead of having me come up there, we just meet on zoom and we workshop songs.
0: Oh, nice. Nice. That's something that I feel like I should probably get a little bit more into. Um, I, I was in one band for a while where we would like do we would attempt to like record stuff and send it over to people and I'm not the best at recording guitars and things like that so my my work was never very good but it's it's still one of those things where it, you can still sometimes get your idea across like you said uh you're doing it over Zoom it's not like you're recording this for the final take it's just spitting out ideas at each other here and there
1: Yeah for sure I yeah definitely going to have to go in person and you know, work out the real songs and stuff. But yeah, for just talking about it, it totally makes things a lot easier for certain.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, there's something weird about like just having a little bit of a visual definitely does help as opposed to just like, you know, just talking on the phone or something. But, uh, you know, that's that's so cool. I I, we've we've covered an hour here. I feel like we've we've got quite a bit of good stuff in here. And I feel like I've picked your brain quite a bit about (laughs) not just the electronic music, but I once again, it didn't dawn on me until you said it, that you were the guy he was talking about that was in his band that drives two hours. And it's, it's, (laughs) it's, it kind of helped me gear shift this in the end to being like, oh, you're not just an electronic guy. You actually like, you, you contribute to every, almost every style of music you could being with a singer songwriter.
1: Yeah. I mean, and yeah, like you've talked to Zach, we definitely cover a kind of a wide array of the like rock pop idiom.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's one of the most beautiful parts about hooking up with a singer-songwriter is uh most of them are pretty open to to any ideas anybody has, and that's that's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Is there anything we didn't didn't really cover at all today? Or uh anything you hmm. really want to talk about that I forgot? Shout-outs or anything like that?
1: Uh I guess um if any of them are listening, I'd like to shout out all of my friends who helped me out on the albums throughout the years because I couldn't have made it happen without you. I rely very heavily on my very talented friends who play <laughs> all the instruments that I don't play.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, you got to give the credit where credit is due. That's for darn sure. And I also feel like that's something that's underrated in today's society when it's so easy to give the credit where credit is due. A lot of people don't.
1: hmm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, it's it's like what Zach said building the house and everyone else decorates it
0: exactly exactly that's I, I think that's the most beautiful analogy i've heard as far as as far as that and i'm gonna i'm gonna use that over and over and over again <laughs> to explain no the concept it's beautiful it's beautiful um i'm just gonna say it here once again at the end uh michael duty your music is online anywhere you can search it uh if you want to otherwise just scroll down below into the comments section i will put some links down there to uh to some stuff All you and i will you know, touch base on that and we'll get that all squared away. So if people don't want to do the whole search for it thing, you can just scroll into the description section and click a link and it'll be that easy for you. So, um, don't go away, Michael, I'm going to talk to you after I end the recordings here, but,
1: uh, sure thing, sure thing.
0: Dude, thank you so much for sitting down and, and talking with me and, uh, and being honest about this. Cause I, like I said beforehand, I'm, I'm not very... I not. I don't know too much about electronic music, and you helped answer a lot of my questions, so I really appreciate oh, it's it, It's my
1: man. pleasure. No problem <laughs> at all. Uh, thanks so much for having me again. This has really been fun.
0: Absolutely, man. Uh, stick tight here. I'll, we'll talk to you in a second. Absolutely. Whoa, what did I tell you? That episode was uh, really good, actually. I mean... Not to just be like, toot toot, we were awesome, but you know, I like I said in the intro, I was a little nervous, I didn't really know too much about his style of music, how he makes it, and all this other stuff, so it was interesting to sit down and and figure it all out with him and, and ask him questions that, um, I mean, maybe not just I had, but maybe other people might have when they sit and think, oh, you make instrumental, experimental styles of music and stuff, and, and what does all that entail, and how do you go about doing it, and And, you know, I kind of found out that the way I assumed he did it was not necessarily the way he actually did it, which actually kind of made me a little bit more interested in it because, you know, I was i went into it thinking i i think i know how this is done and then i i ended up learning something in the end so it's it was really an interesting talk with a really interesting person so uh sh- shout out to michael for you know getting a hold of me and uh saying hey check out my music you might be intrigued and i i gotta say i was so if you guys are looking for his music just scroll down into the description section and you can find links to everything down there uh click on the links there's i believe the Bandcamp and the spotify for people that don't use spotify Um, Or don't have a streaming service You can just go to the Bandcamp and listen for free And then if you really like the music You can uh, toss them a couple bucks and purchase one of the albums And uh, that's probably my favorite part about Bandcamp Last week was Bandcamp Friday 100% of the sales went directly to the artists And that's a cool thing So that's one of the reasons I like Bandcamp And uh, hey, I gotta say once again thanks to uh, michael for sitting down talking with me this week it was it was tons of fun and it was also like i said really fun to find out that he's the keyboardist that we were kind of referencing last week in the episode with zachary daniels on the zachary daniels band so if you're listening to this one and you're like oh I didn't know there was like almost a precursor to this one. So you can go back one episode and listen to uh, me talking with Zachary about, about that style of music. So you can find out what kind of a wide berth that Michael actually ends up covering with all of his musical styles. And I think that's one of the coolest things about it is, you know, uh, he's, he's open-minded. He's just as open-minded as as some of us are when it comes down to thinking about music and how it's made and, and who's making it and what styles there are. And, and all, all of that stuff. I, I, I didn't always think like that, you know, we talked about that in the episode, I didn't always think like that, and and neither did he, but as, you know, as we grow as as people and musicians, we find out that you know, even if this music might not have been made for me, I can still appreciate it and maybe find some things in it that I really enjoy. And I might be able to even incorporate them in my own style of music. So that's one of the coolest things I think I found out about this episode is that, you know, there's other people out there that do think the same way I think. So uh, hats off to you, Michael. Um, Once again, scroll down in the description section, find his music, give it a listen if you're interested. Uh, It's all right there. You don't have to search for it or anything. So uh, appreciate it speaking of scrolling into the description section there are links down there to the patreon page as well as the audible farm shop and the website the website is probably the easiest place to go if you're looking for audible farm stuff there's merch there there's links to all the social media there's also a way you can listen to the podcast directly from the website so if you're thinking to yourself if you're new to this and you're just like i don't know how to find the podcast i'm new to podcasts i don't know how to do all this stuff i don't want to search all over the place just go to audiblefarm.com you'll find it right there and uh, you'll know you also find links to, like I said, the Patreon page, the merch, and all that other good stuff. So if you're looking to uh, you know, go whole hog into this and support the podcast, there are ways to do it. Otherwise, I'm just happy everybody's listening each and every week. Uh, free episodes on YouTube as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. So shout out to everybody that's been listening week in and week out. If this is the first time you've listened to an episode and you didn't fast forward through the outro... You might be interested in finding out some of the other people I've talked to. I've talked to quite a few different people from all across the state and some from even beyond the state. So there might be some other people I've talked to that you didn't know that I talked to. So maybe scroll through some of the old episodes and find somebody else in there that you might think, Oh, this is pretty cool. I didn't know you talked to this person. And, uh, you know, me and, uh, excuse me, me and Michael were talking after the episode about, you know, some of our music's been played on the same radio shows here and there. And there's a lot of really cool stuff like that. So it's a, it's a big, small world out there. And uh, it's really fun to start to tie it all together. 130 episodes in, and we're slowly starting to overlap some things and tie it all together. And it's really cool. So thank you guys for, for being with me in this episode. And I appreciate it. So uh, yeah, I'll be back next week with another episode and we'll be talking to another musician about some other cool stuff i've i've been trying to put out some feelers lately and i've i've been i kind of overextended myself and and booked and double booked some people but we're getting it all ironed out i'll have some cool episodes coming out too here later so if you like this one you'll love what's coming up i'll check you guys next week peace